So guys, I, I know we're, we're here to talk about Bo Burnham's new special, Inside Bo Burnham, which dropped on Netflix on Friday. I can say from personal experience that I have absolutely frustrated my girlfriend to the point of maybe breaking up with me because all weekend I've just been like, put your fucking hands up and just singing that, that chorus part over and over and over. We watched it together. We both loved it. But I have learned the, the limits of, you know, human patience in that I've just been doing it over and over every day since. Uh, are there are there any earworms that you have struggled to get out of your head since watching Inside Bo Burnham? Um, the internet song. Yeah. Talk about the internet song. Sing it for us, Lauren. <laughs> it's just the part where it's just a little bit of everything all of the time, just that part, just over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, um, I know we said we were going to talk about Amazon Prime Video on Must Watch this week, but um, as you can hear, we're pivoting because we wanted to highlight something that came out over Memorial Day weekend that neither of us can stop talking about or quoting or annoying our significant others with. Um, And that is the whole point of our show, which is to highlight streaming shows and movies, and in this case, comedy specials that we really, really love and think you should check out. So that's why today we are talking about Bo Burnham's new Netflix special, Inside. And as you can hear, we have recruited the foremost Bo Burnham expert in my life, personally, (laughs) Lauren Beaster of E! News, who is my former colleague and also one of literally two people that I hung out with (laughs) in 2020 because we were in a pod. So that felt appropriate, right? Like for this particular topic. (laughs) Yes. Hello. Thank you so much for coming on, Lauren. We do appreciate it because we love getting some authoritative expert voices when we break some of these things down. So please enlighten us and everyone listening. What makes you the foremost Bo Burnham authority and, you know, worthy of the seat of right now breaking out down his new special? Well, first of all, I appreciated Jean's um, in her life because I don't know if I'm the most authoritative Bo Burnham fan, but I am definitely the biggest Bo Burnham fan in Jean's life. So we like keeping it inside the family on this podcast. All right. We, we are a friendly, gregarious kind of group of group of buds. So we like that, that she's keeping yeah. it in her life. Yeah. But I, yeah. I mean, I have been a fan since like the early YouTube days, like that, that was where I fell in love with him. And um, all through college, I went to every show that he did in Chicago. I have a lot of photos of, me meeting him and just like being impressed that he's like seven feet tall. And (laughs) yeah. So I've, you know, I knew all of the lyrics of all of his songs for a long time. You know, I've been following his career for a long time. I'm just kind of like proud of him. Like I feel personally proud of him that like he's still doing great. And that like he turned, you know, a YouTube like silly videos in his little attic bedroom into this like incredible career and turned out to be a comedy genius. Absolutely. I just, that's, I feel like a personal pride for this man I've met twice in a meet and greet. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that's wonderful. I think that represents the beauty of fanhood. And anyone who's still wondering, Bo Burnham, you know, classic YouTube comic who started when he was 14, 15, uh, kind of elevated into stand up and other types of really great performative comedy, has done bit parts in a lot of different shows and movies. And wrote and directed Eighth Grade, which was his feature directorial debut, one of the most, uh, you know, 
emotionally resonant films in the last few years. So this guy's continued to be on an ascension. And as we mentioned, he released a, a new special shot entirely in one room in his house made during the pandemic. You know, he performed it, he shot it, he wrote it, he edited it, he directed it, he did all the lighting. Lauren, before Gene and I dive into our thoughts, which we've already been texting about excitedly for a couple of days, what was your initial reaction to the comedy special? I mean, it, immediately I was like, oh, this is, this is some, this is different. This is not the other pandemic garbage, honestly, that we've gotten <laughs> for the past like year and a half. Um, especially, you know, when he, the first line that struck me was, I, I'm sorry, I look like a mess. I, I scheduled a haircut, but it got re or I booked a haircut, but it got rescheduled. Like who didn't last year? And then he was like, I'm daddy made you your favorite open wide. And it was like, okay, like I'm here, I'm putting my phone down. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm in for, but I'm into it. And then from there, it was just like, perfect. It was, it felt like, it felt like the only kind of thing that has understood what was going on in all of our brains for the past year. But then a thousand times more because he's a genius and was like thinking like light years ahead, basically, is what it felt like. He's pretty good at articulating his feelings and viewpoints far yeah. more than, than myself who really needs to sit down at a computer and write everything down and be like, okay, now I'm ready to present. Yeah. What, what about you, Jean? Where do you stand on this? Um, well, yes, I texted about this with you. I like frantically texted as soon as I watched it, but I was also <laughs> texting with Lauren about it because she watched it and loved it before I did. And I, watched it on Monday night um, by myself and also immediately was like, oh, yes, agree. <laughs> um, I, I too put my phone down, which is like, I think the ultimate compliment uh -huh. these days. Especially for uh, us, us millennials. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. The, that's our main form of like communication <laughs> or connection to the world. And so to put that down was really um, interesting. And and yeah, I felt like it captured, it felt very much like something that came from him as someone who's watched um, all of his Netflix specials for sure. And I have watched, I think probably have seen his Comedy Central specials as well. So like I was familiar with him and I, I knew some of the viral videos as well. Um, so it felt like an extension of that, but the format was like mind-blowingly perfect right. and the things that he said were you know I, I I feel like who among us can't relate it really reminded me of of a it was a really creative way to encapsulate like the depression and the desperation and the terror and the extreme anxiety that I felt at my lowest last year and I kind of cried through two-thirds of it because in a cathartic way, um, <laughs> on one hand, I have moved past the worst of that. And I think a lot of us have, but also on the other hand, it made me confront the fact that although the world is quote unquote reopening, at least it is here in the U S I haven't really shaken all of those feelings and I don't know if I will. And then, so it was really, it felt revelatory to see them portrayed on screen in a really interesting way that wasn't some corny like we're gonna hang out over zoom situation <laughs> um but also it had a little bit of of hope to it and that was really nice as well I don't know what did you think Brandon 
I, I hate to beat a dead horse, and I know conflict is the source of good podcasting, but I, I just can't help but agree with almost everything you guys have both said. You know, to me, someone who, Lauren, like you, I, I've been a fan since the early YouTube days. I remember being a teenager, being like, oh, he uploaded a new one. Uh, Bo Burnham's always, to me, had a touch of George Carlin in his work. And I mean that in the way that they are both both master satirists, albeit obviously with completely different styles. And I think Inside reaches perhaps the logical endpoint for the comics introspective worldview humor, which sounds like an oxymoron because it's internal and external, yet somehow I think Bo really amazingly manages to always use his struggling emotional state as this creative side door into his perspective on culture and society. So the way that he can kind of make that work from an inverse flow is really in- impressive. And like you said, Gene, I think this is present in, in kind of an evolution uh, of the course of his most recent two specials, What in 2013 and Make Happy in 2016. But here is his likely low point in terms of mental health in the pandemic. It seems like this kind of logical conclusion to that arc. And like you guys, I was really struck with the, the elastic and versatile nature of the specials. You know, it's skits, it's, it's musical comedy, it's modified stand-up, it's confessionals. The songs ranged from all sorts of genres and styles. You, you, know, you forget that he is truly a theater kid at heart with great musical understanding. And the fact that he was able to do all this in one room is just amazing. Uh, I think as always, because I, I do have this kind of dickish voice in my head, the cynic in me questions every and all emotional Hollywood product to gauge, okay, how much of this is performative in hopes of elevating it from like a haha show to something more artful. But here, because he's been so open and so forthcoming about his mental health for years and so introspective, I just love this special and continue to be blown away by his creativity and, and intelligence. And that's the end of my rant. No, I, I love that. And I would agree. I feel like, I mean, let's get into it. I feel like the main criticism that could come from this is like what of the most emotional parts were put on and what was real. But I also feel like if you go back and look at his other work, he has always touched on stuff like that. So this is stuff that's very clearly coming from a real place for him. And so if he, he played it up a little bit or or made it seem a little bit more dramatic, like I'm okay with that because I feel like these are things that he's always talked about and uh, to enhance something for dramatic effect doesn't necessarily mean he's putting it on completely. He's just making a complete, you know, piece of art or whatever. Completely. I, I think the number one draw of fiction is that it uses lies to tell the truth. I don't even like, to me, I didn't even question that at all. I, I didn't question his, his sincerity just because he has been so open about that in the past. I mean, the fact that he like, he really did quit performing live because he was having actual panic attacks on stage, which like you said, feels like a really bad place to have a panic attack. If you're a, if you're a zombie person. Um, And it like to, and to me, there was like really added something that his look changed so much throughout the course of the special, but it was not continuous. Like sometimes there was longer, sometimes there was shorter, sometimes he had a longer beard, sometimes he had no beard and there was no, sense to it and it would just sort of it added to it and it kind of added to the the sort of manic feeling of it the sort of like kind of the things we were all going through 
this past year of just like uh, of nothing making any sense. Definitely. The, his, his, the outside kind of matched what the inside was saying, I think. And, and Lawrence, to that point, not only does it give that manic energy, which you absolutely nail, I thought it was really interesting, especially as I rewatched certain bits the next day. I, I thought the creative element was interesting because I, I think to myself, like, wow, I wonder if he went back and added this in and then changed around the order of the songs because he felt the flow was better and, and it developed in, into a progression of messages. And so I was starting to think about what he must have been thinking about and putting it together like a jigsaw puzzle. And I found that to be this whole other layer of interest and intrigue as I kind of picked at it with my own obsessive little brain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that. I feel like what all three of us are saying is that it felt really um, genuine. It felt really lived. It felt like his lived experience. And I feel like that is something that comes through in his work because in a way that I can't even pinpoint, I, I like to watch things and learn about how they're made and figure out what's going on. Um, with the people who are making it and kind of analyze things in that way. Um, but I almost feel like I can't necessarily do that with his work because I feel like it, I get it on a level that I can't really articulate. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm on that same plane with him. I felt that when I watched eighth grade and like, I saw that by myself too. Um, and I like wept in the theater. Cause I was like, how, how did he put that on film? it made me feel all of the things that I would want to feel in something like that. And that doesn't always happen. It feels very genuine. Um, and so I yeah. really liked that. I will say that I spent a lot of this special going, what was that going on outside the door? Like, <laughs> was his yeah. girlfriend just like being like, what is he doing? Or like, what part of this ho his house was this? Like, it looked like there's a little kitchen in the back. I just couldn't figure out. So I did a lot of that, a lot of wondering. <laughs> Did you Google it? Because I did. I I, tr I tried to figure it out because I thought that too. I was like, where is this? Does he like have a studio yeah. apartment somewhere? It's it's his guest house in his backyard, that makes which is sense. clearly his office. Because I actually, after I finished watching Inside, I then watched uh, his other Netflix specials, Make Happy and What, mm -hmm. in reverse chronological, chronological order. <laughs> I can say that. That's fine. That's a word I can pronounce. Um, <laughs> whatever. But I, but I watched them in reverse chronological order, and he ends make happy in that room as well. So I'm like, oh, that's his. That's his office. That's his creative space. <laughs> that uh, makes looks kind of like a a college apartment, but whatever. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I, I joke to my girlfriend, like, what are the neighbors thinking? Like, oh, honey, the depressed comedian's at it again. I don't know whether to bang on the wall or bring him over a pie and give him a hug. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Gene, uh, thank you so much for solving that mystery for me. Because I was like, yeah. what, what room is this? He said it's You're in welcome. his house. But <laughs> it's his, it's his but, creative like, where, embryo. How? Yeah. Yeah, that that's clearly what it is in like a guest house in his backyard. A cocoon <laughs> of musical feelings. That's what I'm going to start referring to it as. I also yeah. have to say that like, because I turned 30 during the pandemic, the song about turning 30 really was just like a real moment for me. <laughs> Where I was like, oh, this feels, this feels <laughs> too real. 
too real. I don't like it. And then he's standing there in his underwear that so that it was like especially like vulnerable and especially almost painful, even though the song's kind of a bop. So I was just sort of like, I don't I don't know what to do with this, but I'm gonna rewatch <laughs> it like 14 times. So I mean, just despite being so intellectual to the point where I think some would find it a little bit dense and, and insular, hard to, to feel accessible. I think Bo Burnham is a master of making anyone feel seen, yeah. which is not an easy feat to pull off for someone who's expressing these types of, uh, you know, gravitational thoughts and observations about society and himself. It also kind of yeah. catches you off guard because yeah. you're so caught up in like the wordplay and just kind of the genius way that he's putting sentences together. And then you're like, oh, wait, this is actually like super deep and vulnerable and personal. And it, I didn't expect that. Yeah. I mean, because he, he definitely got deeper into politics than I feel like he has before. Um, talking about the dangers of capitalism and exploitation of workers and... <laughs> uh, examining problematic things that he did in his past and and that aspect of it you can see that he's he's started to think about in 2016 with makeup beard before then um but i feel like the explicit like <laughs> um commentary on you know jeff bezos and capitalism <laughs> and, and all that was was probably more than he has done before and and that all came kind of before he did the i'm turning 30 song which by the way that was when i just kind of started crying and didn't stop until the end because it was just, it was just a very emotional experience but he but he talks about in this thing suicidal thoughts panic attacks and you know also encapsulating the fear that I think a lot of us have about re-entering the world yeah. as it opens. And, um, and I thought that was, that was really interesting that he is not only managing to put forth this like weird mania that we, that we all felt, but also say really incisive things as he's doing it. That was great. Absolutely. I think, you you know, we talked a lot in, in the start of this podcast about the form and function and Gene, you've moved it perfectly to the kind of thematic material he wanted to hit and the messages he wanted to send. And Gene, you and I earlier in the pandemic did an episode on Sarah Cooper's Netflix special. And in a way, I felt like inside Bo Burnham, I thought this was the, the kind of fever dream observation nightmare that I wanted that special to be or, or could it could have been. And I think it's because he so creatively packages our fears and anxieties, not only within the context of the pandemic, like you mentioned, but within our lives as we age, like, like Lauren said, and as we reflect on our accomplishments and flaws and our personality defects and our efforts to improve them and, and what we perceive to be wrong with the world at large. And I, I feel kind of zooming back out and really reflecting on this last year plus at the height of the pandemic, you know, musicians, actors, executives, politicians, they were all trying and failing to break through the zeitgeist. And at least in my experience, what was managing to kind of cut through the clutter and resonate seemed to be the voices of comedians. And I think inside to me is maybe the number one microcosm of that reality that I observed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I loved the Sarah Cooper special, but 
It felt like oh, that yeah, was let more... me be clear. I, I did yeah. like it. I just thought this was kind of like the enhanced version almost. Yeah. Well, it felt like that was more about like the world and about how insane the world was because the world was a completely like crazy when that came out. Like everything was insane and felt like not real. And then this felt a little more inside. Like it felt a little more like it was personal and kind of dealing with what we were all personally going through as opposed to you know, the world being on fire. Yeah. It's almost in a way like he recorded these things while the world was burning down and while Sarah Cooper kind of was poking fun at just the nonsense that was happening. But in merging from this hibernation, I guess that <laughs> well we've said. all had or a little bit. Well said. He had a little had a little bit of a perspective uh, that allowed him to put it all together in a really cohesive way instead of just bouncing around from thing to thing. Like I felt like it was very purposeful the way that it was arranged. And I feel like that's maybe something that you couldn't get while you were in the thick of it, that maybe you needed to pull back and have some perspective as well. And so that I think that speaks to what you were saying, Brendan, about how this is just cutting through the clutter because he has a, a razor sharp, you know, take on the world and, and it's honed over the past decade plus of him being in the public eye and, and doing this professionally, um, that it was able to sum things up in a way that maybe, uh, other people haven't been able to do. Now, before we move on to talk a, few, a little bit about our, some of our favorite songs, I, I want to ask, because this has basically been a love fest. All three of us really, really enjoyed this special. It was thought-provoking. We, we, we found it clearly to be resonant on multiple levels. Do you have any criticisms whatsoever? Because I, I feel like we always get more value about combing over things we love with a harsher eye than me saying for the millionth time as the millionth person, like, oh, the Star Wars prequels aren't very good. You know, there's no value in that. No one, no one learns anything from that. I will say I was not impressed with the the song about accountability. Like I loved the visual of it was very funny, like the the kind of like 80s workout thing. <laughs> but but you know, his example of needing to be held accountable was like I dressed up as Aladdin when I was in high school or whatever. And it felt like there was a lot more opportunity there for him to talk about cuz accountability's been such a a topic for so long and it felt like there was something he could have really said there and then instead he didn't really say anything. So I was kind of, I was kind of let down by that song because at first I was kind of distracted by how fun it was and what it looked like. And then it was like, he didn't say as much as I thought he could have. Did you want to see him delve more into like his own comic past and things like that? A little bit. I mean, he has a song about like a, a KKK cookout, like from, you know, from when he was a teenager, like there was something, there was something there that he could have said. He's talked about that before. He's talked about holding himself accountable before. He's, you know, he was in Promising Young Woman. Like there, there are things he could have said with that that he's clearly thought about, that he's clearly, you know, had time to reflect over, but he didn't really, just felt like it was kind of a waste that he didn't yeah. really dive into it. That's a really good point. I'm wondering if you could think about, you know, as, as my personal foremost, Bo Burnham expert. Um, <laughs> as your Bo Burnham tutor. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. If like, if we had Chiron's, if there were a visual element to this podcast, it would be like born Peaster, Jean's personal (laughs) expert. (laughs) But but like, I, I think that's a really good point because it's clear from watching the bigger specials that he's done that he does think about these things a lot and has, and it's not something that he just started doing in 2020 when everyone got you know, a yeah. little bit more politically engaged, maybe. Um, He's been thinking about this a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Can you think of us some other, other themes that maybe you would have liked to see him address? I mean, that's really the big one is just yeah. that like, he's, that's something he's talked about before. And I mean, getting into the panic attacks, of it all was very interesting. And it felt like, you know, there were just, there were just song, a few songs that like, well, I loved them. I was just kind of like, what are you, what is this? Like the, the white women's Instagram loved that song. But then it was like, what are, there was an, there was a way to be like, are we, are we being sexist pointing out like how dumb these Instagrams are? Like there was something there was a way he could have gotten into something more there too. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's the one that I would point to as like, what was the message? Mm-hmm. Um, it was because, a delightful song. And yeah. I, would like, I would like a whole calendar of all the photos. <laughs> yeah. Let's be clear. It is a bop. Right. Yeah. It is yeah. a bop. All of the songs were good. They slapped. Yeah. The album is going to slap. He's leveled up his music production and like vocals and everything because there were like there was variety there. Yeah, I cannot stop yeah, listening but, to the internet one. Like just the yeah. weird, like, carnival guy. I don't know why I love it so much. But it yeah, is. well, what what are our favorite songs? I love the I feel like shit song because that's just like every day. <laughs> How you feeling? Not good. Twenty twenty to twenty twenty one for me. Not great. Don't feel good. Stop asking. Not, honestly, that <laughs> how are you? That was also my girlfriend's favorite song, and definitely one of my favorites. I, I think my my criticism of of the thing actually fits in a little bit with some of my favorite songs. And my only criticism is that he even said at the beginning, "This is going to be a little all over the place, a little jumbled." So by mm-hmm. conceding that, he takes away a little bit of you know the critical lens for sure. But if it was a little bit more focused. I think it would have been even more powerful because like you said, we, we go from the silly white girl Instagram, which again, I thought was hilarious to the, I feel like shit, which is self-deprecating. And yet also about this guy who's, who was dealing with self-loathing. We, we've got the end song, put your fucking hands up, which was a bop and all over the place in terms of thematic content. And then we've got, again, another silly FaceTime with my mom. So tonally there's a lot of jarring shifts. And again, he says that and and, in a way, it's a little bit part of the charm because as we've talked about, it is a bit about the manic feelings that we we went through and, and the pendulum swings over this year. But if he could have honed in on a couple themes and really sharpened that while cutting some extraneous uh, silly songs, I think maybe that would have been great. Even though they all slap, I want the album, I want the Broadway show, yeah. I want well, Disney I need- Plus to buy the rights to the Broadway show, all that. I need the album right now. I need yeah. to be able to listen to this on Spotify without having to like skip through to find the songs that I want to listen to. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. It could have been a little, 
it could have been a little tighter and a little more focused, but also who among us was focused on anything. Very true. Year, so <laughs> very good point. It's, it's a very a, good point. It's like at once his greatest strength and the greatest drawback of this special, which I guess is maybe an unfair criticism to levy on some levels. Yeah. Well, okay. Here's a question for you both. Do you think that people can watch this special not knowing anything about Bo Burnham or his other work at all. I would personally I say no. Ooh, okay. Lauren, we got a little Ooh, debate here. You, dueling you, viewpoints. We finally I mean, disagree on something. <laughs> I mean, it's it's literally impossible for me to really know that because I've been watching him for, you know, 14 years or whatever. But to me, it just feels, so much of it feels really relatable. And I think if all you know is that this guy started on YouTube, I think I think you could still enjoy it because it's not like he does a lot of callbacks. There's just like a couple moments where he like shows footage. I, I think from a straight line, like form and function point of view, you're at, you're absolutely right. I think from a taste point of view, it is very, very, very specific because he is extremely dark. Like I said before, I, I think he can at times be insular and inaccessible due to how clever and intelligent he is. And essentially when I, when I recommended this to some friends who like stand up but aren't necessarily followers of the industry as passionate as me, I was like, here's a great comedy special. And by Bo Burnham, they, they knew he was a YouTuber, but they didn't know the content of his, his comedy. And they came back with like, you know, I wasn't really in the mood for like political commentary or like this satirical, hey, we're all pieces of shit type of attitude. And it, I think he is an acquired taste. And I think this is the most extreme example of that, in my opinion, but I fucking loved it. Yeah. That's a really good point. Sense. Yeah. I don't know if my parents would get the same thing from this as I did. Yeah. I agree with that. I, but I do think if it's like, if a person likes this kind of comedy and somehow this kind of humor and somehow hasn't gotten into him yet, they could still enjoy it and then be like, wow, I need to look at every single thing. Yes. This done yeah. What, what are some other things that you were thinking about as this was going on? Because first of all, as we said before, where is he? Well, well literally yeah. what is this room? We, fi- we figured that out, but my, my, my other thoughts were, and this is very niche because we work in, you know, the entertainment industry tangentially, but like, what about when he did his promising young woman press? Because this came out in the middle, that movie came out in the middle of when he was filming this. So like, did he have that batch shit? Um, <laughs> hair and beard while the he was doing press. Name. Like I don't remember. I I'm gonna have to go back and look at interviews. Did that he do a lot of press? Really interesting. I mean, he had to have done. He did some because I've read quotes from him. Yeah, but maybe that was all done at Sundance last year when because the movie was supposed yeah. to come out way earlier. So that was something I thought about. And then the other thing is like. I loved eighth grade so much and I loved this so much. And I thought he was so good and promising a woman. Apparently I'm now Bo Burnham fangirl, like 100%. And all I could think about was, Oh my God, what is he going to do next? What is he writing next? I, I can't wait to see it. Well, I have to say the one part of it that like hit me really hard was just where he was like, I don't want to finish this. Cause then when I finish this, I'll have yeah. to go live my life. And so I'm just not going to. So I'm just talking to myself. And that was like, 
that me literally every day with everything that I do, or I'm like, I can't finish my apartment because then my apartment will be done. And then what do I do? I can't finish this story because then it'll be done. And then what do I do after that? So I kind of think he's going through the same thing of like, (laughs) what do I do next? It was a beautifully tragic snapshot. What you just said. Absolutely. That, that part hit hard. I think in terms of what else I was thinking, I fall more in Jean's category from a conceptual standpoint and a technical technical standpoint, I was blown away with what Bo Burnham managed to accomplish completely by himself in one room. And I'm talking editing, production values, uh, 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 visuals, you know, lighting. Um, again, the, the, the conceptual bits and, and how clever the actual conceit of his humor and setups were. I could not stop thinking this guy's next feature film as a writer director is going to blow us all away because he is just bursting with extreme ability, you know, rare ability. So that's what I was thinking selfishly as a consumer, you know, like he said, daddy whipped up your favorite, more content, baby. That's me. (laughs) He was talking to me specifically on that one. (laughs) A little bit of everything all of the time. (laughs) Exactly. No, I I just was thinking a lot about, I was thinking a lot about the mess because the mess around him kept changing. And there was a part where he was like laying on the floor. And I was like, how much of that is mess that he made on purpose and how much of it is just like natural mess around him? I thought about that too. Listen, I feel like this podcast has just been like a half hour of us just talking about how much we loved this, which is, I don't know. I, I just feel like it came out with very little fanfare. I understand too. Like, I don't think that I would want to do a lot of press around this if I were him, because I feel like he says everything that he wanted to say in the special. And so I don't need a lot of think pieces about it because I feel like the, we don't need the think pieces when the thing is designed to make you think a lot. Um, And he did a lot of the thinking for us. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really happy that we were able to, talk about it um and all of the things that we love about it and hope, hopefully the people who listen to our podcast trust our taste by now and maybe check it out if they hadn't already i don't know i hope <laughs> and as you listen to this and you wrap it up be sure to go and find lauren's writing on e-news you got to follow her on twitter at lauren peaster lauren thank you so much for joining us today we really thank appreciate you for it having me I will talk Yay. about Bo Burnham with anyone anytime. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Get, get me on this group text next time. I'm there. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and and hello from Lauren and I live a block away from each other. So she's yeah. literally just up the street. It's fine. It's normal. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening to Must Watch. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of the places where you get your podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> And tune in next week when we will be talking about Amazon Amazon Prime Video and all the goodies there. And uh, you know, until next week, everybody. <laughs>